Welcome to Season 3, Episode 13 of the 126 Podcast. Today is an episode, much like our other ones, unlike any other before, we have our first COO ever on the episode. Let's get to it. Coach Weaver, Coach O, I am Addison. How are y'all doing? Hey, I'm great. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays indeed. This is the final day of November that we're recording this podcast, and we have just returned from Thanksgiving. We had our Thanksgiving episode was the last one we did. Mm-hmm. We've come back and... Very grateful for that episode. <laughs> yeah, it was a very... Uh, uh, you should be grateful, doggone it. This is... Uh, it was just a... Just a heaping helping of delicious community information. Yeah. Well, we got more delicious community information today. But I'll tell you, we always record this at lunch. Um, I'm usually hungry, but I think I put on the the customary five extra pounds during Thanksgiving break. Um, So I'm betting Coach O is going to go toward food with the ozone. But uh, That's going to be a guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we... uh, Thanksgiving was great. I hope hope all our listeners had a good one. Yes. And um, like I said at the top, we we have an interesting episode today. We're going to talk a lot about community stuff and community involvement, which is seems appropriate for this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some things for our parents and, and boosters and um, all sorts of stuff. We'll get into that. But first, we're going to jump over to you, Coach Weaver. So being grateful, the grateful people we are, um, I'm sure we all shared our, our thanks with our families over the Thanksgiving break. And hopefully uh, within our department, we'll continue to do that through the holidays with our coaches. And um, I'm sorry, you, you, can, you know you can't break in on me like that. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I messed him up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, essentially, I want to focus on something that is important during the holiday season, and that's community service. Um, it's a big focus of our athletic department. Of course, we're we're getting after it on the court and on the field and around the track. Um, but we ask all of our programs to participate in community service projects, and there are a lot of neat ones out there. I hope that folks have seen that through the years on our website and our social media. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple that have, that have kind of come across the radar lately. Um, obviously Thanksgiving and Christmas are a great time to see uh, some of our crosstown rivals, Forney and North Forney teams, can participate together in some community service projects, which is kind of a neat uh, aspect of our athletic department. Um, I saw recently, you know, soccer season started up yesterday. On Monday was the first day for practice. We've got a couple of soccer specials coming up this this month where we'll bring the coaches and some soccer players in. But I saw the Forney and North Forney girls soccer team uh, had worked together just a couple of weeks ago um, on a 10,000 for the troops project where they, they collect and write letters uh, for troops. That was a neat deal. I saw, um, I saw on, on our website the other day Coach Williamson and Coach Cook at, at uh, Forney High School had posted that uh, those two programs, girls track and girls soccer at Forney High, had gotten together for um, to partner with a local church in a uh, Christmas in Mexico service project. It's actually not a community service, but 
um, an international service project that wow. they participated in. So, girls, I mentioned girls track, Coach Cook, of course, the soccer programs. Uh, I mean, the uh, cross country programs do Socktober. We just finished that up last month where they uh, get donations of socks and, and for the homeless and present them. So, anyway, thematically today, we're talking about community service. And we set a great example, I think, in our department. I think our coaches and our kids do a, a fantastic job of embracing the, well, you the would service. think that. You have to think well, that. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> but I'm proud of them. They, they have, they're service-minded. And even though they know we're out there working hard to compete, you know, we're also trying to be great citizens. But that's going to segue into us talking about a kind of unsung hero of, of community service mm-hmm. a lot of times, and that are parent, that's parent volunteers. I think that that's kind of a theme of today's episode. And um, Could very well be a beyond segment. It, it could be. Yeah, we could probably gonna, highlight yeah. a booster, honestly, mm-hmm. every, every week and, and, and never run out of fresh content because there are lots and lots of boosters in Forney ISD that are volunteering their time. They're not, they're unpaid, you know, they're, they're volunteering their time for the betterment of the organization or the team that their kid participates on. So we're going to talk about boosters some today. We'll talk about some specifically and and some in general. Uh, We've got a neat guest. We're going to talk to Parent Booster USA today, but, um, you know, it's the holiday season. Like we said, it's a good time to talk about um, giving back. We got a lot of folks in this community, coaches, kids, parents, that do a great job of giving back. For sure. And um, on that note of our guest, I'm going to go ahead and we have a we have a call in guest today. Unfortunately, we're not able to have have people in the studio with us, but it's great that we can call in. So on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to you and let you kind of introduce our guest and and kind of how you came to know this this organization that um, that is being represented. All right. Well, the organization, let me say first, is Parent Booster USA. And in setting up the introduction of our guests, um, who is the chief operations officer for a company called Reynosi, who who is the parent organization for Parent Booster USA. I'll tell you, Parent Booster USA is an organization that supports booster clubs and PTOs and parent groups uh, nationwide, but uh, certainly here in Texas. And we have a booster club symposium that we host in, in the, at the first of the school year, every year, specifically in September, we bring all the presidents of the booster clubs and Forney ISD athletics together. Fine Arts participates in this too, but we've got 26, like I said, 26 active booster clubs and Forney ISD athletics. Uh, that's a lot of, bo- I mean, that's just the presidents, 26 people, of course, to take the rest of the officers and, and uh, all the, the members and the people that are out working concession stands. It's an army of people that are volunteering their time to support FISD athletic programs. We bring them in, those presidents, and we, um, you know, talk to them about the law. We talk to them about FISD policy and administrative regulation, UIL rules, which are applicable for uh, athletic boosters, Um, the IRS. Salary caps on player, (laughs) on on rosters and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm sure you've... uh, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> so Recover, anyway. coach. Just recover. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Parent Booster USA and Drew England, who is the chief operations officer, uh, is, is an organization that supports boosters because there are a lot of challenges with parent boosters too. You know, there's a lot of turnover. Uh, kids graduate. New groups come in. So um, we're gonna, we want to talk to Drew a little bit. So, Drew England, let's bring you on, the chief operations officer of Renosi and um, – 
a gentleman who's very involved with Parent Booster USA, who our booster clubs in Forney ISD have been introduced to and, and hopefully will continue to build a partnership with. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, we lo- love talking about Texas boosters. We've got a, uh, our executive director actually lives in McKinney. I'm down in Plano. So we're, uh, we love Texas here. And yeah, Air Booster USA is in a nutshell, a national nonprofit organization. And we're dedicated to helping school booster clubs, um, operating compliance with state and federal government guidelines. Um, there's a lot of paperwork, quite frankly, in running any kind of nonprofit organization. And for the most part, we found that parents running booster clubs are not so much uninterested in that, but desperately don't want to do it themselves and are often unaware of what exactly goes in, what is actually required of them when they're running a booster club. At the end of the day, they're just looking to raise money and help support the programs at the local school. They're not really interested in filing, filing IRS paperwork. And so Parent Booster USA's goal is first to educate people about what the rules and requirements are for running these school booster clubs, and then also to help them do it. We file essentially all of the paperwork required for these kinds of things, and uh, we found that a lot of people find that very helpful. Uh, we have a website where we have just endless supplies of resources on exactly what's expected of booster clubs, and really our mission in the world is just to help make the lives of booster club parents easier. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, that all sounds great, and we can start to unpack some of that stuff and talk more about booster clubs. I do have to ask you, um, so you said you're, you're out in Plano. How long have you been in Texas? I moved in right at the start of February, so I got here just okay. in time for the power to go out. Nice. Um, <laughs> everywhere, frozen. Fortunately, I had a friend whose house uh, had power pretty consistently that I could go over and stay warm. But uh, it was a great introduction. I had a pipe burst in my uh, garage, so I got to learn how to fix that. It was, um, that, but yeah, I came right in February. Yeah. Nice. Welcome to Texas. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I do have to ask you, I asked someone this last week. Um, how long does a person need to be in Texas before they are a Texan? Do you feel like a Texan? Well, that's what my driver's license says, anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I'm still a I'm still a Floridian. I think though. I'm, yeah. It's uh, I'm it's 50 degrees out there ish. You know, 50, 60 degrees depending on the day here. I'm I'm cold. I'm walking around in a trench coat. It's it's I'm still a bit of a thin blooded Floridian. Yeah. Um, used to my 70 degree of inverse. Well, how many Whataburgers have you eaten? One, I think. Oh, Drew, oh, you got no. you got some catching up to do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, I've been in Texas, uh, I'm, you know, my entire life, and that's the first time <laughs> that freeze was a first for me too. So, yeah, I don't know if you brought it with. I obviously you didn't bring it from Florida, but um, that that was a shocker for us too. Maybe we won't have that again this February. Yeah, let's. I'm, I'm hoping things stay a little bit warmer this February. Fingers crossed. Anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with us getting some some snow maybe, but not as much ice. But anyway, Drew, we have before we get down to the business, we do have um, some very important business to get to, and that is our probably our favorite segment here on the one two six. Well, all right. So today for the subject spotlight, we're talking galletas. Addison seems very shocked by that. I am. AKA, I'm always he's trying shocked. to Google it quickly. AKA, 
Cookies. <laughs> cookies. All right. I'm what familiar. What is your favorite cookie of all time? What is your go-to cookie brand? Okay, well, well, let's start with our guest. Okay. So I actually quite enjoy baking. So I usually make my own cookies, and I'm a very big chocolate chip fan. Now, do you put nuts in those? No, though I do usually use both white and dark chocolate chip. All right. Oh, okay. Fancy. That is fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good answer, Drew. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not gonna be able to top that because I'm not a. I'm not a baker. Uh, You're not. No. No way. Yeah. You believe it? Can't believe it. I can make. I can make some pretty good chili stew, a steak, and a, a cast iron skillet. Yeah. But all the Texas stuff. Yeah, the Texas stuff. Uh, can I answer next? Because I got a yeah. good one. This is holiday. You have to talk holiday cookies and. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like every Christmas at at, at our house, <laughs> it's interesting. This is a no-bake cookie, <laughs> which fits right in with the theme here. But uh, I've got a sister that makes a chocolate peanut butter oatmeal cookie. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen these. It's like, it's a, it's a gooey, yes, it's a glob of gooey stuff that you put on wax paper or parchment yeah. paper, and it hardens. Uh, you put it in the refrigerator. It's not a flat cookie. It, no, it kind of flattens out. Oh. But it's it's chocolate. I don't know what else goes into it. Some other stuff. But I know it's got chocolate, oatmeal, and peanut butter, and okay. they are so good. And we have them every Christmas, so I'm really looking forward to that. Coach O. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, I'm I'm down for any homemade type of cookie. Um, but I think that if I had to go to the store and buy one, it would I would get an Oreo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Oreo cookies were always my favorite. So have well, you had any of the other versions of Oreos? No. I have no the interest in The golden ones are no. great. I don't want those. It's like I, you're just closed-minded. Well, no, because the, if you? I if I go, it's like a vanilla cookie. I it's it's like what my grandmother used to give me when she packed my lunch. So you get those yellow cookies. That's your little. It's not sweet. like a, it's not like a sandy or something. It's it's they're good. Well, they're good. Hey, do you uh, eat your Oreos with glass milk? I absolutely, have and to, I have to have ice yeah. in my milk. Oh, I don't do that. I don't put ice Waters in my milk. It down I've had much, to, but, but it's yeah, it's got to be cold. Um, or do you dip it? You dip it in the milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You hold it in there for like maybe three to four seconds. You, you can't know, go too long, or it because falls. The, that's right. That's right. You got to know. <laughs> the, soften it. The right amount of time it's, to keep it in there. It is good got stuff. Got yeah. um, I will do a quick shout out for the Synergy class, which is our neighbors up here at Admin. They're doing a project right now where all the students have to start cookie companies. Um, they're doing like a entrepreneurship kind of kind of project, and they all have different roles and stuff. But they've been. Up here at Admin, y'all may have you, know, you may have seen them if you walk by the kitchen. They've been baking their cookies, and they've brought me some every time to test them. And I'm very impressed with the cookies that some of these kids have have you baked. Know, you would think that, that you would. I know a, where a fellow podcast host would send I them get, down by the athletic as office. Much as I we get do one for cookie. Him. They don't. They haven't. They were. It was their prototypes. They haven't like pushed out their product yet. So I've only gotten to taste like a couple of cookies. But I don't mind testing. They're the not mine to give away. Okay. Uh, I just not, think that's very clever of Raz, and what better way to get a bunch of cookies? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a great project. If I'm if I'm it's picking, it's not one, cleverness; it's proximity. He's yeah. across the hall from him. Okay. <laughs> um, if I have to pick favorite cookie, I will say my wife makes these cream cheese cookies that are really really good. Um, which I had never had those before. I don't think she had either. She just came across this recipe and started making them, and they're really good. Um, at the store. Yeah, I like I like Oreos and milk, but I always like soft cookies. I'm not like a 
Chips Ahoy person. I don't want to like have to crunch through a cookie. I know what you mean. I, I only like them soft if they're baked, like someone has baked them. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I, like, I don't Drew, like the are soft the, uh, batch. Are the cookies that you bake, the are they soft or are they more of a crispy cookie? Well, I mean, it depends on how long I've left them out, but they start pretty soft. Yeah, okay. I think they've like, got to be soft. I always want soft cookies. Yeah. That's what people, and pe- I may get some flack on this, but people always hate on oatmeal raisin cookies. And I understand people don't always want a raisin in there, but I like raisins. And I've never had an oatmeal raisin cookie that's hard. Every time there's like a tray of cookies that somebody bought from a store, like a supermarket, and it's at a party or something, they're all sitting out, I'll go for the oatmeal raisin because it's always the soft one. Hmm. I don't want the hard chocolate I'll, I'll take it. I like it a little crunchy on the outside, but I like them soft kind of on the inside. So. Mm. Well, I'm probably going to have to go to Latham Bakery now after we get done with this podcast episode. That's a good place to get cookies. It is. Definitely is right down the road. Okay, well, let's jump into booster club stuff. Yeah, back to boosters. So, Drew, we one th- we do a couple of things here that that um, um, you know we think are pretty good, but we don't have it all figured out. And we know Parent Booster USA probably has a lot of insight. We do a booster club uh, manual for forney ISD booster clubs. That's the, that's cons- you know just to give them some consistency. Obviously, you're in Texas, so you're familiar with UIL rules. All of our athletic boosters have to abide by um, the booster club operating manual the UIL puts out, which is a little bit different. You know, you're talking about eligibility of of student athletes and um, the amateur rule and all that good stuff. Um, But what? just give me an idea of what are some pitfalls that you guys have seen. You said you help with paperwork. Obviously, the IRS is involved. But – as you come across school districts that have active parent organizations, uh, what are some pitfalls you've come across and some things that Parent Booster USA can help solve or resolve for those organizations? Absolutely. So the classic one, and it sounds like uh, you all have a bit of a jump start there, is just knowing that there are rules to begin with. A lot of school districts we've come across don't have any kind of formal training for the booster clubs. And so you've just got these parents and how do they even know what questions to ask, right? How do they know that they need to ask whether or not their booster club is taxed them from the IRS? Do they even know that's a thing? Um, and so one of, the biggest class, one of the biggest pitfalls we run into with booster clubs is just what are the rules? Are there rules? There are rules. Some, yeah. uh, some are shocked. Um, and so the, the first step is, trying to educate parents on exactly what the rules are in Texas specifically. The big one we run into is sales tax. Actually do booster clubs need to pay sales tax in Texas? Do booster clubs need to collect sales tax in Texas? And it's not just those are interesting questions to ask. It's parents just don't even think to ask them. There's a concession stand. There has always been a concession stand. There's no reason to think too hard about how that concession stand is working. And no, we don't collect sales tax. Of course we don't. Yeah. Um, and so it, that's the first big pitfall. Incidentally, concession stands have a specific exemption under uh, Texas law from sales tax collection. Um, so for anyone, I gave a heart attack there. Don't worry. About <laughs> it. We run a lot of concession stands in our school district. So, yeah, good. Thanks for the thanks for the information. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second big pitfall is passing along this information. So the average booster club officer is there for a year, maybe two. You know, normally they get the position at the earliest when their uh, child is in their junior year. Some just their child in the senior year. And once your child graduates, why are you going to stay with the booster club? Uh, 
most of the time the child moved on, the parent moved on. And so you just have this rotating group of officers running the booster club. And sometimes the transmission of information is great. Most of the time, though, the old parent's gone, the new parent's coming in, and there's very little to work with. And so not only do you have the how do you know what questions to ask, but also you've got that same fresh parent with really no idea what's going on coming in every single year. And so that's the second big issue we run into is we've got the old parent trained up just in time for them to head on out. And now we've got a new parent. And is the new parent even going to know that these questions need to be asked again? Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. We come across that very dynamic. Um, and it's tough. It's, it's tough even, <laughs> even though we, even with some of the systems we've got in place, in our school district, it's it's still tough to to bring everybody into the net and and get them all into the know and and then help those officers um, educate the rest of the folks that are coming in to volunteer. Yep, um, and it, it's just a constant problem because I've had a parent come to me and say they gave me a binder when I became the president. The binder didn't have anything in it. <laughs> which I mean I guess the spirit was there but an empty binder isn't going to get you very far yeah yeah um and then the last sort of major pitfall the last major category of pitfalls is navigating the school booster club organization or school booster club relationship rather at the end of the day, the school and the booster club are two separate organizations. They work very closely together. The booster club is there to help the school programs after all, but they are separate organizations operating on their own and there's the separate leadership. And so question, there are often a lot of questions about, well, we're going to buy equipment for the sports team, the soccer team, the football team, what have you. Um, do we own the footballs? Do we donate the footballs to the school? Should we give the school money to buy the footballs? Um, should we go through the school's normal financial processes? Should we just reimburse the coach for who goes to Walmart and buys a bunch of footballs? Um, how, how do we actually handle that money in a smart, sensible, and safe way? Um, should the coach be on our board of directors? Should the coach be able to vote on our board of directors? It's just all of these myriad little questions about how exactly to run the school booster club relationship. And it's very complicated once you start getting into it. And again, the parents are there for a year, maybe two. Yeah. And so if the school doesn't have those answers laid out to them, you get just different, you just get booster clubs doing things wildly different ways every year. And it can become a major mess. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, we're, it makes me um, think about this process and we're, we do the best we can here to keep people in the know and to educate them and um, to try to put the information in front of them, whether it be IRS and 501c3 information. Um, we can't always give them the most up to date, but we can send them to the right places or the UIL. Uh, you know, interesting thing, you mentioned that the booster club and the school district are two separate entities. That's true. They both share the student athlete, however, and and mm -hmm. the UIL guidelines. So, if a booster club violates a UIL rule, it is the it's the coach, the student, and the team uh, that ultimately pay the penalty. And right. you know that's another one of those interesting Texas things that 
um, we have to be real careful and make sure that they know the rules so that they don't end up hurting a kid, right? Penalizing a kid right. who loses eligibility. Um, we do the best we can, but I, I just I like the idea of Parent Booster USA being another another voice, another expert, another consistent um, place we can send our parents uh, and our whatever our, the the separate organization, our coaches even in some cases, um, to get the right answers. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I like to tell people whenever I'm talking about Parent Booster USA is that. We have a phone number on our website. We have an email address on our website. That's not for people who are paying us money. Yes, we have paid services, but if you just have a booster club question, give us a call, send us an email, we'll answer it. Yeah. There, you don't have to pay us for that. We're, we're here to help parents answer booster club questions. And so uh, that's just what we do. Well, it's kind of a community service in itself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, like I said, we've got 26 athletic booster clubs in Fournier ISD. That's currently, we could potentially expand that. There are some groups that don't have them yet, uh, but that's 26 sets of officers, and which probably represents hundreds of hours of service just with, within that officer's rank and uh, meetings and planning and organization. Then you get beyond that to the members who are working those concession stands and bringing in the food and the cases of drinks and um, keeping up with uh, payment systems and, and bank accounts and, uh, f- you know, being accountable to <laughs> places like the IRS and the UIL and also to Forney ISD. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much involved there, and it's such an ongoing process. You said you do have some paid services. I think one of those that's really important is the uh, – IRS requirements that are associated with 501c3. In Forney ISD, we require our parent organizations to um, maintain or, if it's a new club, to be in the, in the process of initiating 501c3 tax-exempt um, status. So give me an idea. And there's, we found, there's a, there, you mentioned this before, there's a lot that goes into that. Mm-hmm. It's a it's yeah. a lot of paperwork. It's a lot. There are a lot of steps that you got to navigate that system. Um, give me a little perspective on what you guys do to help booster clubs with that. Sure, and I, I guess maybe I can just walk us through starting up a booster club, both with and without parent booster. USA, to give people an idea of how exactly this all works. Awesome, sounds good. But, yeah, by default, if you're going to start up your own booster club and you're going to get tax exemption from the IRS. What you need to do is first decide if you want to be a formal corporate entity, which involves filing articles of incorporation with the state, which makes the booster club a corporation. Big reason to do that is if someone sues the booster club, they're suing the booster club and not the parents who run the booster club, which I'm all for. The second step is you get an EIN, which is an employer identification number. Um, And this is basically a social security number for a business. Everybody, every business has it, for-profit, non-profit, Everyone has an EIN. It's just how the IRS keeps track of the businesses. Then you need to get tax exemption somehow. And uh, the most common way to get tax exemption is you file form 1023. That's 1023. And unfortunately, there's no better way for me to describe this other than sending, throwing form numbers at you. Um, And of course, the 1023 has two versions, the 1023-EZ and the 1023. Um, which one you file depends on how much money you're anticipating bringing in the first couple of years. 
usually booster clubs are going to file with 1023 EZ, which is easier than the 1023, but is still probably going to take someone a good four or five hours to get through the first time through it. And then it's going to take the IRS, well, they say 90 days, but they're currently working from home because of COVID and are really slow right now. So I'd probably put it closer to um, five months to actually review this document and approve the tax exemption. If you end up having to file a full 1023, we're talking six months minimum, probably closer to nine, and you're not going to make it through it on your own. Just, you're not, sorry, parents. It's just not going to happen. Um, It is very complicated and it is very easy to answer questions incorrectly. And then you get a letter back from the IRS saying, sorry. Um, Once you get that, you are um, tax exempt from federal income tax. The IRS requires all 501c3 organizations to file a form called a 990 every year, which is basically a tax return for a nonprofit organization. You don't owe tax on it, asterisk usually, um, but you have to file it every year. And if you fail to file it for three consecutive years, which is very easy to do when you have a constantly rotating board of officers and eventually you run into someone who doesn't know it exists and thus doesn't tell anyone else that it exists. Um, if you fail to file for three years, you're, you lose your tax status and it's an automatic process. The computer does it. Um, the IRS, you can't appeal it. The IRS has no choice. It's just the law, how that, that law works. Um, and so it's very important to file that 990 every single year. The way it works through Parent Booster is slightly different. Parent Booster has what's called a group exemption with the IRS, which means all of Parent Booster's members are tax exempt. And Parent Booster USA has some oversight responsibilities to make sure that the organizations joining Parent Booster fall under its specific field of operations, which is school support organizations for K through 12 um, age children. Um, And by being a member of Parent Booster USA, we just send the IRS a letter every quarter saying, here's the new members and you get added to the BMF. And the BMF is the business master file. It's a big old poorly formatted list of uh, charitable organizations. And that way you get to skip the 1023, which is nice and a little bit faster. But either way, you still have to file a 990 every year. And I think that's the really big service that Parent Booster USA gives. Yes, it's nice that we help you get by the 1023 fairly easily, but the big thing is we track the due date on the 990, yeah. and we will inform the current officer. We will get in touch with a new officer. We will send you emails. We will call you. We will get this 990 filed so that the organization doesn't lose its tax status. Because you certainly don't want to be in a position to have to restart that whole process after the the people that came before you, right, Your the previous generation of boosters, got it done, uh, whether whether they use Parent Booster USA to get it done or whether they um, started from scratch like some of ours did in the old days, you don't want to lose it because it's a lot. There's there's There are a lot of steps that have to be followed and a lot of steps that have to be followed accurately and appropriately. And I'll tell you, that's just one facet because it's the same with staying in compliance with UIL and knowing the rules there. It's the same with managing funds, whether you're dealing with cash um, or as we do more and more often these days, dealing with electronic uh, accounts and electronic payments. Um, there's just a lot that goes, how to spend money, as you mentioned before. How, what Are we making donations of, of 
or of revenue to, to be able to be spent by the school district? Are we making are we purchasing equipment or supplies and making donations of those supplies? There are school district regulations that have to be followed. It is there's just so much that goes into it. Um, to me, if if I'm a parent, especially a booster officer, you you hinted at this. It, just for liability purposes of liability uh, and personal liability, you know, if I'm if I'm out there working at an event, the school district, in, in most cases, has immunity, right? But the booster or the parent or the, the volunteer may not. So to me, it's a no brainer to to organize with a group like Parent Booster mm-hmm. USA and and make sure your group is staying in compliance. Well, Drew, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate all the information and everything. I think our boosters are going to find it really valuable. I'm thrilled to be here. And, you know, once COVID passes on and we can invite invite me over to your studio, I'd love to be there. Uh, You know we're not going to do that unless there's an invitation for some of those chocolate chip cookies to come along with you. I mean, I might be able to make that happen. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll hold you to it. Thank you. We certainly appreciate it, Drew. We're going to keep encouraging our parents here and – uh, for the work that they do in the community, but but also to join up with Parent Booster USA and do it right. Love to hear it. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Have a great one. Well, we got a lot of information there. Um, real quick, tell me or tell the listeners out there, um, what do we got coming up? What's, what's going on in the district right now? I'm going to tell you, uh, we got a lot of basketball coming mm-hmm. up between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's kind of a sweet spot for basketball. Soccer has started at practices, as I mentioned, um, but they don't really get into games until after Christmas. When yeah, it gets cold. Yeah, yes, yes, they've got to wait for that. Poor soccer parents. Those, those first winter Arctic blasts to really get out there. Yeah, we talk, we've talked a lot about you know parents willing to volunteer their time and, uh-huh. and doing all this stuff, and you can work the concession stand all you want, but. Until you're a soccer parent, yeah, that's some dedication. That's that's when you really prove that you you really care. Yes, yeah. that's, that's right. <laughs> it is true. So boys basketball tonight, both yep. teams are doing their toys for tots, uh, toy drive. Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, benefiting the Kaufman County Children's Advocacy Center. Oh, that's right up right up uh, the alley on on community service we were mm-hmm. talking about before. Uh, always a good time of year to see a lot of our teams out there doing cool things. Um, we got a big boys basketball tournament next week. That's uh, a that's the FISD Winter Classic. The big boys basketball tournament. The big boys basketball tournament. It's big boys and it's the big tournament. Oh, okay. That's what yeah, I gotcha, meant there. Gotcha. Thanks. But yeah, it's not a junior high tournament with the the, the younger ones. <laughs> um, that tournament's been going for I don't know about a decade. I'm not sure what year it started. I need to to research that. But um, it's a well established one. It's a it's a lot of fun now that we can do tournaments again uh, post COVID. It, it, we're looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the hospitality room. Uh, yes, ma'am. I, that always seems to be a good one. I hope they, they come through this year for us, Coach <laughs> Uh Maybe there'll be some homemade cookies in that hospitality yeah, maybe. room. Um, might be some booster parents who have helped out with that. I think, uh, let's see. Oh, yes. I, I see I've got my uh, booster presidents with the boys' basketball organizations here in front of me. Yeah. You want to shout them out? I'm going to shout them out. Go for it. I'm going to I'm going to shout out Ruth Marez for the boys basketball tournament at I mean boys basketball booster club at Forney High, and I'm going to shout out 
Kedrick Cockrell with the boys basketball boosters at North Forney. Uh, just letting you guys know, we'll be we'll be sniffing around that hospitality yeah. room all day long at your places next. Now we week. know who to blame if yeah, there's sure. IRS problems with <laughs> booster clubs. or food or food problems or food hey, problems. There are twenty two dozen other great uh, booster presidents on that list. We just saw them in September when we had our symposium over here, but. Um, Man, they do a lot of unsung work. They really do. And it, it's as you can see by our guests today, there's a lot of hoops to jump through to do booster work correctly and legally and within regulation. But there's also just a lot of man hours and woman hours that go into doing it right and having concessions and doing senior nights and banquets and uh, just making it more fun for the kids that participate in our programs. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Okay. I certainly appreciated it as a head coach. Oh I love my booster club. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can't do it without them. I now will say this, and, you know, we might need to do a booster spotlight every now and then, maybe do a new segment. Maybe Addison could work us up a, a soundbite for that. But um, if we spotlighted a booster, we were going to have a booster on today. And as you know, life, they, they have real jobs in real life, and um, he got called into work and, and couldn't be on the episode today. We'll get him back on here. But all boosters are not created equally. You know, just like, I mean, it's just like every person, they're, they're human beings, and some of them can give a lot of time. Some of them can give a little. We appreciate it all. Um, but it's real. here's maybe the most important thing about being a parent volunteer and a booster is, is keeping the right perspective and recognizing the value of student participation mm-hmm. in, in the program and, um, you know, not, the, not, not being a distraction. Right for, for the coach or the campus, but rather being an asset and a support to make it better, a better experience for the mm-hmm. kid. And that's, you know, that's an overlooked thing too because you got to put who's getting to play aside. You've got to put, you know, um, your, your, your personal investment in it a little bit in, on the back burner and just give of yourself. So that's one thing I really appreciate is our coaches work with our boosters and do a great job there too. For sure. Well, we will keep you all informed on everything going on in Forney ISD Athletics. That is all the time that we have today, and we will see you all next week.